The following audio is from LaGrange Church of Christ, located in Texas. For more information about LaGrange Church of Christ, please visit our website at www.lagrangecoc.com. Grace and peace to you this morning. Um, Thank you, Ron, for reading that passage for us. Uh, A couple other announcements. Um, We we failed to mention this morning that uh, Lori's aunt passed away last night, and so uh, please remember uh, Lori Dawson, her family, uh, in her loss, and our thoughts and prayers go out to you. Also, if you'd like to mark in your hymnals, uh, number 555 will be our invitation song, 555. And after you do that, if you have a Bible this morning, you can turn to Job 42, Job 42, and I'll read a passage from there in just a moment. I want to say a few things before we get started. Uh, This week has been a a difficult week for many of us. We we lost a a dear and beloved member of our church. We lost someone who we watched grow up, um, and we mourn and we hurt for Stephen Kelly, and I know that they will continue to be in our prayers uh, throughout the, the days and weeks to come. It's been a sad week, and there have been a lot of tears shed this week, and that's okay. Mourning is something that we're supposed to do. The Bible tells us that we are to weep with those who weep. Um, Ron just read a beautiful passage from the Gospel of John where Jesus loses a close friend. And although Jesus knows all that is going to happen, although he knows about heaven and the afterlife, still... He weeps. And if Jesus wept for his friend, then it's certainly okay for us to do the same. It's also been a very busy week. I cannot tell you how many phone calls and text messages I've received this week, and and many of you were, were reaching out. You're wondering, you know, what can I do? How can I help? And there were people at this building every day this week People brought up items to to give to the Moors. Uh, People were planning and and preparing to to feed the family. People were helping set up for the funeral and doing many other things. And there was an outpouring of love for the Moor family this week. Laura and I have been here a little over six years now, but I've never been prouder of our church family than I was this week. Uh, We came together during a a very tough time to help some of our own. And I think this week we grew as a body of believers. We cried together, we we served together, we prayed together. And I know that if we had to do it again, uh, we would. And this is one of the reasons why God has given us the church. We need one another. And we call each other brothers and sisters. We call each other family. And that's not just something that we say. Uh, It is real. And I think many of us witnessed that this week. And so I'm I'm proud of each and every one of you. But I also know that that our work is not done. That, That Steve and Kelly's lives have changed forever. And that they will continue to need us. And we'll need to be there for them this week and and next week, and the week after that, and the week after that. And so I, I know we will, and because that's something that family does. We take care of our own. So if you have your Bibles, you can look at Job 42, and I want to spend just a few minutes reflecting on 
some of the last words in this book. Job 42, beginning in verse 1. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Over the last several months on Sunday evening, we, we've looked at the book of Job. Uh, we concluded that study this last Sunday, but, but I thought it would be appropriate to just say a few things about this book this morning. And just kind of as a review, I know for some of you who have been here on Sunday evening, you've heard this before, but I want to catch everybody up and just tell you a little bit about the book. The, the, the book opens in the heavenly courts where, where Satan and Job are having a conversation, and the conversation or Satan and God are having a conversation. The conversation is about Job. Um, He's a righteous man. God and Satan both agree upon that. But Satan believes that that Job is only righteous, he's only faithful, because God has been good to him and God has blessed him. In other words, um, he's only being faithful because God has rewarded him. Now, God disagrees with this. He believes... That, that Job is faithful because that is who he is. And so God allows Satan to touch Job. And the question becomes, will Job serve God for nothing? And that's a good question. It's a question that we could all ask of ourselves. Why is it that we serve God? What if everything good in our lives was taken away? Would we still serve God. Job does. He's faithful and he's righteous. And Satan touches Job and he, he takes away everything that is dear to him. He takes away his livelihood. He takes away his children. He takes away his health. And Job is left with nothing. And much of the book of Job, the, the biggest part of it, is a conversation between Job and his friends Now, they are not aware of what's taking place in the heavenly courts. They're not aware of what God and Satan are discussing. Their knowledge is limited. Job and his friends are a lot like us. They're trying to make sense of their world. They want to know why things happen. They want to know why people suffer. And the conversations they have are based upon the things that have just happened to Job. They're they're trying to to process these tragic events, these life-changing events that have happened to Job. And Job's friends have a very simplistic view of God and how he operates. They believe that everything happens for a reason. And they believe that the world is run based on God's strict sense of justice. When people do good, then people are rewarded. When people do bad, then people are punished. And this is a common belief system. And we find it not only in Christianity, we find it in other places. Sometimes it's called karma. 
You get what you deserve. And many people believe it. Um, And since all these bad things have happened to Job, they reason in their minds that Job must have done something awful to deserve this. There is no mystery to how they understand the world. There is no wonder. They have created a simple system in their minds of how the world operates. And they're able to apply this system to to any situation. They can make sense of it. Now, Job, on the other hand, that's one side of the conversation. Job, on the other hand, he used to believe that same thing. He used to have that same view of God and how the world works. But something changed. And it was his experience. Something happened to him. And this caused him to change his mind. He's not sure what's going on in the world. But he knows it's not what his friends say. He knows that he's done nothing at all to deserve what has happened to him. And and Job talks a lot in the book. And Job questions God. And he's angry with God. And he cries out to God. And, And his friends don't like that so much. They caution him. They say, Job, you shouldn't talk to God that way. You should be more reverent. They think it's inappropriate. And Job does not care because Job is hurting and he's mourning and he's lamenting. And the only thing that Job wants is he wants God to show up. But one of the problems in the book is throughout much of the book, God is silent. And we deal with that ourselves. Sometimes we want an answer. Sometimes we want God to show up. But God is silent. And what is amazing is that at the end of the book, it is Job who is praised. And so God says to one of the friends, he says to Eliphaz, "Um, my wrath is kindled against you and against your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. And so God prefers Job's searching, Job's questioning over the easy answers of the friends. And what is also intriguing about the book and and disturbing to some is that God does not answer the questions that Job and his friends want to know about. He doesn't answer the questions that we want to know about. Questions like, why do bad things happen to good people? Why must suffering occur? How does this world work? And We all ask these questions from time to time, and God does not answer them here. At the end of the book, God finally makes an appearance. Um, He questions Job. He asks Job questions that that Job cannot answer. He asks him about creation and, and other things, and he does all this to make a point. That Job is not in a place to understand how the world works. That Job's knowledge is limited and that God's ways are above our ways. That God is beyond Job and that God is beyond us. And finally, Job says, 
in Job 42 and verse 3. Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. And Job stands before the God of the universe and he says, I did not understand. I did not know. And a few verses later, Job is is praised by God. It's not because that Job has all the answers. It's obvious he does not. He says some things that are wrong. He, had, he confesses before God that he, he doesn't know, he doesn't understand. Job is praised for his persevering faith, that he stays with God even though he doesn't understand. There, there's a principle known as Occam's razor. And uh, maybe some of you have heard of that, maybe you haven't, but it's a principle that's found in logic, it's found in mathematics, it's found in science, and it's found in other fields as well. But basically, Occam's razor says that if you're trying to, to solve a problem, if you're trying to figure something out, and that there are two or more possibilities, then you always choose the simplest one. The simplest answer is always the best choice. Long before Occam's razor, Aristotle proposed something similar. He said that nature works in the shortest way possible. And we tend to follow this principle, whether we know it or not. We gravitate towards simple answers. We gravitate towards things that just make the most sense to us. And it's just who we are. I think it's it's human nature. And to be fair, most of the time it works out. We come to the correct answer by following Occam's razor. It is a principle, and people have talked about it, and people still use it, because it works. But here's the deal. Should we use this reasoning? Should we apply Occam's razor to God and the things of God? I think we find our answer in the book of Job. Because in a way, Job's friends use this principle. They had come up with a very simple way of understanding God and understanding how he works. It was easy to understand. It made perfect sense to them. And they're not the only ones. The disciples of Jesus use the same principle a little later on in the Gospels. When they come to a blind man. And they ask Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? Very simple reasoning makes sense to people. And this system made God out to be a just God. And they treated God with reverence. They treated him with respect. They didn't care for how Job was talking about God or talking to him. There's only one problem with all of this. They were wrong. And at the end of the book of Job, God praises Job who had no answers. And he rebuked Job's friends who offered simple explanations. God says in the book of Isaiah, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. 
For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. There are times in life when tragedy strikes. There are times in life when difficult things happen. And it is in these times especially that we should avoid easy answers. They're not helpful. And they're often wrong. Sometimes life is a mystery. Sometimes all we can do is follow in the footsteps of Job and trust God. Trust a good and loving God, even though we can't make sense of it all. What we learn in the book of Job is that God does not fit into a box, nor should we try to put him in one. There is a great mystery to God. There is a great mystery to how he runs the world. Now, he has revealed certain things to us through his holy word, things that we can know, but there is much more that we do not know. And I think that once we really think about this, Once we really process it, it should give us comfort. Because if we understand everything there is to know about God, then it means that we have created God in our own image. But if there is a mystery to God, if God's ways are beyond us, if if his ways are above us, then it means he truly is God. In the book of Job, God never answered the questions regarding suffering. He never told us why bad things happen to good people. He appeared to Job in a whirlwind, and he made it known that Job, nor us, are in a position to understand these deep mysteries of the world. But God did not leave us empty-handed. Many years later, he would give us an answer to suffering. And that answer is not a statement. It's not a treatise. It's not a book. That answer is a person. God took on flesh. And God came to this earth. And God entered into our suffering. He died on a cross. So no matter what you're going through in life, you can take comfort in knowing that that God is with you and that God loves you and that God cares for you and that God's answer to suffering is Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we... We come before you this morning, and, and many of us still have heavy hearts because of the events this week, and, and we pray that you would be with us. Most of all, we, we continue to offer up prayers for the Moore family, and, and we know that there are things that you can do that we cannot do. We ask you to give them peace and, and be with us as a church community as we strive to, to minister to them and and do what's right. Father, we're amazed by who you are. 
that you are bigger than us. And we know that we just have this small, limited perspective of history and life and all these things. And you are the creator of everything we see and know. And you've been present throughout all history. And not only present, you've been at work throughout history. And sometimes we want to know and we want to understand, but but we cannot. But let us take comfort in serving a good God, a loving God, a graceful God, a God who cares so much for us to come to this earth and take on flesh and and, and understand our suffering. Let us take comfort in knowing that you are in control of all things. And may we let go Let go of our burdens. Let go of trying to control everything. And simply put our trust in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.